Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, how many of you have ever had a time in your life, or maybe a time uh, in somebody's life that you knew, where, um, where they, just, they just blew it? You know, you have a great opportunity, maybe it was you, maybe it was an opportunity, a, an investment, or maybe it was with a, a friendship or a relationship, or maybe you kind of look at your whole life and uh, you think, man, I just kind of blew it. You know, I just kind of had missed opportunities. How many of you have had those before? Raise your hand. I know all of us have had those. All of us can think about it. Uh, perhaps it was on a job site or in training, or maybe uh, it was uh, in a sport, you know, maybe you played sports and it came down to you shooting the winning basket or coming up with the, the strategic play in football or whatever it might have been. And it came down to the last second and you choked. You blew it. You know what? Every one of us have those opportunities that we miss and someone would look and say, man, you blew it. I can remember one of mine. It wasn't a huge issue, uh, but it was uh, my very first time. I was 14 years old and my very first time to go bow hunting. And a man in our church was taking me out bow hunting. And of course, we went out at night and made our camp and got up at the unforsaken, God-forsaken hour of 3 a.m. And uh, then we sprayed this stuff on us that isn't healthy, you know, and it kind of it smells really bad, and uh, we sprayed this stuff on us, and we went out in the woods, and we uh, found ourselves by these logs by the riverbed, and, and I remember that I had my bow, and it was a, a compound, a compact, what do you call it? Compound, yeah, it's not compact. See, it tells you how much I go hunting. It's a compound bow. Compact is a gun. I do know that. Uh, a compound bow, and I remember as I was there, and about 30 yards in front of us, this deer comes out. And the man that took us, his name was Billy. He said, Dennis, there's your shot, man. He's like, that's an easy shot. It's an easy shot. And I'm like, all right, man, I got it. And so I pulled that bow up and I pulled the arrow back. And of course, he had me shooting a little bit and I pulled back and I let that arrow go. And for, I mean, for me, I was like, that's, a, that's dead on. I, that, that deer is dropping. And that arrow's going straight and then it goes, it's like 15 yards. And he's like, shoot again. So I'm like, you know. And I remember I shot like three or four arrows. And that deer, that deer just playing with me. Because I think at one point he like looks over. He's like, yeah, right. That kid ain't hitting me. And I remember, you know, and so finally I'm, man, I crank back and I let an arrow go. And it still falls short. That deer just stared at me. And then you know what it did? It just ran off. You know what Billy says? Man, you blew it. Man, you missed the opportunity. That deer was right. That was like God giving us meat for the year, and you missed him. Needless to say, I haven't been bow hunting since. I missed, and I didn't care, and I wasn't good. But you know what? All of us have those opportunities where we just have a, a something there, the opportunity, and we blow it. Well, as we come to 1 Samuel 13, 1 Samuel chapters 13, 14, and 15, we're going to notice that Saul... He was the king of Israel. He was one. If you have been with us in our series, then you'll recall that Samuel, who wrote the book, he was the, the last judge of the children of Israel. And Samuel would be one that 
God wanted to use Samuel to lead the people of Israel, and yet we found in 1 Samuel 8, 9, and 10 that the people said, no, give us a king. We don't want to be ruled by judges or led by the Lord anymore. Give us a king that we may be like other nations. And they had this arrogance about them that said, we want to uh, achieve everything that, they, that the other nations have, so give us a king. And so you remember that God had to come and comfort Samuel, right? He had to come and say, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting my leadership. But God also said this, Samuel, I'm not going to give up on him. And the people, they got ahead of God, but God didn't give up on his people. And so God used Samuel to instill a king, the right man for the job, the man who was humble, who honored God, who had a desire to uh, seek the Lord and do things the way God wanted. This man, Saul, was set up in leadership. But what we noticed the last couple of weeks is that leadership that Saul had, it began to go to his head a little bit. And you'll recall that God gave them a great victory. Remember uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 11, the children of Israel came up against, Jabesh, or came up against the Ammonites in Jabesh Gilead. Remember that story where uh, the fact that we're better together, preached that a couple of weeks ago, and the fact that the children of Israel, they were counting Jabesh Gilead as gone. But Saul said, hey, listen, the Ammonites aren't coming after Jabesh Gilead. They're gonna come after us next. We need to join together. And so 330,000 men come out. They're divided up into three groups groups and they go against the Ammonites in Jabesh Gilead, the tribe of Gad, and God would use them, 1 Samuel 11, to provide a great victory. 1 Samuel 12 and 13, chapter 12, Samuel charges the people, hey, keep God first, revere him, love him, and God will keep blessing you. God will work. Saul, you do it. People, you do it, and God will do something great. And then you come to 1 Samuel 13, 14, and 15. What we looked at last week is that they forgot some things. They forgot the instruction of the Lord. God's instructions to the children of Israel was, hey, uh, make sure you revere me and love me and keep that fear of me, and they forgot it. They forgot the accomplishments of the Lord, and they also the, they forgot God's heart for them, that God's heart was a heart of love for them. And if you were with us last week, then you'll recall that because the people and because Saul forgot that, they ended up at an unhealthy place unhealthy in relationship to the Lord, unhealthy physically. If you think about it, they were now at the end of 1 Samuel 13, they're encamped against by the, by the Philistines or against them again. Now it's a new, now it's a, 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 a new enemy, not new uh, in the timeline, but new at this time with them. And so a completely unhealthy place. It all starts in chapter 13. And if you were to go all the way to chapter 15, you're gonna see the digression of the people of Israel and of Saul. Saul blew it. He had an opportunity to be God's man. He had an opportunity to lead the people of Israel. He had an opportunity to become one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. He really did. God set him up for that. God put all the chess pieces in place so that all Saul had to do was put the piece in for checkmate. All he had to do was allow himself to be used by the Lord. But what we're going to see this morning is that Saul, he missed out. He blew it. And what we're going to do is we're going to look over the three chapters here and we're going to discover why Saul blew it. How did it get to this point? I want you to take your Bible, if you would, 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to read a couple verses from 13 and 15 just to get started. 
and then we'll cover the chapters today. First Samuel chapter 13, notice me, notice if you will with me, verse number 13, the word of God says this, and Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Remember, Saul made a sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to make. He stepped into the office of priest, and Samuel said, hey, you should not have done that. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Hey, Saul, God had plans for you, but you blew it. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Skip over, if you will, to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, and let's go all the way down to verse number 11. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 11. This is the Lord speaking to Samuel. Notice what God says to Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, 11, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. God says to Samuel, hey, it's, it grieves me. It grieves me that I chose Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 23. This is God speaking through Samuel to Saul. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected thee from being king. Saul, you blew it. Verse number 28. And Samuel said unto him, Samuel speaking to Saul, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. In all of these verses, we find Samuel informing Saul or God informing Samuel, hey, I've re I'm rejecting Saul as king. Hey, listen, Saul blew it. Saul missed the opportunity. But this morning, again, I want us to discover how that happened. How did Saul mess things up? Why did he, what did he do that caused him to be in this predicament? And as we start today, I want to just give you that reason in one word. The word is pride. Pride was Saul's downfall. Pride caused Saul to miss the opportunity that God had set in front of him. Pride, it blinded Saul in such a way that he could not see the destruction that was happening in his life. And because of pride, Saul blew it. A key to this is 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 17. Look at it with me and then we'll pray. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Hey, Saul, when you were humble, that's when you were set up. Hey, Saul, when you were humble, that's when you were made king. But Saul, your pride kept it, crept in. And your pride has caused you to lose everything. This morning, I want us to be challenged in just a very simple thought, and that is this. Let's get pride out of the way. In your life, in your marriage, with your kids, in your church, get pride out of the way. Why? Because pride causes people to blow it. Pride causes people to miss the opportunities that God has for them. To be a very helpful message this morning, I believe, from the passage today. And so let's pray. Let's get right into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would ask you just in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you today? Pray and ask God to help you in this area of pride this morning. Dear God, we come before you. We thank you for the word, and we thank you for the truth that you have for us. And 
God, as we come to you today, we want to pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us to listen intently to your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use me this morning. God, I just humble my heart before you and ask you that you'd speak through me today. And Father, that you'd be glorified in everything that is said and done in our service. And Lord, that every word that I speak today would be something that you want me to say. We love you, God. We thank you for your love. We pray again. If there's someone that's watching today or here in the service that does not know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you come to 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, what we find taking place, of course, last week we saw Saul uh, making that sacrifice, offering that sacrifice when he should not have been. He stepped into the office of, uh, of priest, if you will. And then as you continue reading into 1 Samuel chapter number 14, we actually find ourselves in 1 Samuel 14, you find a great portion of scripture. 1 Samuel 14, we are introduced to a man by the name of Jonathan, and this would be one of Saul's sons. And God would actually use Jonathan to bring a great victory to the people of Israel. I want you to notice what took place in 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel 14, 1, it says this. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Here's what's taking place. When you come to 1 Samuel 13, Saul has just made that uh, irreparable decision to step into the office of priest and give the sacrifice. He was reprimanded by Samuel. By the end of the chapter, we find them in that unhealthy relationship with the Lord. And now the Philistines are camping against the Israelites. It was the Ammonites in chapter number 11. It's the Philistines in chapter number, or excuse me, it was the Edomites in chapter number um, 15. We'll see in a second. It's the Philistines in chapter number 13. They're encamped against the children of Israel, and Jonathan and his armor bearer have this great idea. Jonathan says, hey, let's go up and attack the Philistines. Hey, are you with me? Let's go and do this. Two of them. That's some courage or stupidity. But we're going to see in just a second it was courage. Courage sent by the Lord. And I want you to notice with me what takes place. These verses won't be on the screen, but you can listen along or just follow along in the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 4 through 15. I want you to hear the account. 1 Samuel chapter 4, or 14, verse number 4. <clears throat> it says, In between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina, or Sina. Uh, the forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. You say, Pastor, what is it saying? He has to go between a rock and a hard place. To get to the Philistines. That's what it is. That's what, the, that's what the author is saying. Hey, there was a rock situated this way and a rock this way that you had to kind of squeeze through to get up there. That's what verse 4 and 5 says. Verse number 6. And Jonathan, they get through these rocks. They're coming now to some cliffs. Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Hey, this is something that God has put on my heart. Let's go do this. God can save by a lot of people, or God can save by a few people. And his armor bearer said unto him, verse 7, do all that is in thine heart. Uh, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. Then said Jonathan, behold, all right, here's the plan. We're going to pass over, verse number 8. We'll pass over unto these men. We'll discover ourselves unto them. We're going to make ourselves known. 
If they say unto us, tarry until we come unto you, then we'll stand in our place. We will not go up to them. We're gonna know that, hey, this probably isn't of the Lord. Verse number 10. But if they say thus, hey, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves. They made themselves known unto the garrison, that uh, group of, of Philistines that were up there. And the Philistines said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. That's a great testimony, isn't it? People of God, that's their testimony. The people of God, what were they doing? Man, they were hiding in holes. They were scared for their lives. There's so much to be said right there. Verse number 12. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, here's what the Philistines said, hey, come up to us. We'll show you a thing or two. We will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was a trembling in the host, in the field and among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. I love the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. I think it's one of the coolest in the, in the book of 1 Samuel. Jonathan, this man filled with courage and faith, he says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go up and let's beat up, let, let's kill the Philistines, let's attack them, just the two of us, because we know that God can save with few or God can save with many, and so let's go up. Here's the plan. We're gonna make ourselves known. If they say, stay there, we'll know that God isn't in it. But if they say, come up, we'll know that God is in it. They make themselves known, and the Philistines say, Come up and we'll show you a thing. I like that. That's the Philistines in arrogance. Hey, won't the two of you come up here? I got something to show you. Hey, we'll show you a thing or two. They climb up and then the Bible lays it out for us. Jonathan put them to the ground and the armor bearer came back killing them. And they killed 600 men over about a half acre. That's amazing, isn't it? That's something only God could do. Well, because of this, if you were to go and, and read the story, um, uh, uh, because of the steps of faith that Jonathan gave, they would come up and God would provide a, a great victory. And if you can continue reading, you see that God brings a great victory to the children of Israel that day. Actually, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 23, it says, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed over unto beth So God brought a great victory to the children of Israel. And while there, listen, while there is so much, and I really struggled on just preaching on Jonathan and his, his armor bearer, but that'll be a different message for a different time, because I want us to see a theme that took place in 13, 14, and 15. God has just given them a great victory, but in the midst of all of this, Saul's pride creeps in, and Saul's pride does some incredible damage. In the midst of all of this, Saul made a selfish decree. Verse 23 tells us that God gave a great victory. Verse 24 that Saul's, tells us that Saul's pride flared up. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening. Now notice the next phrase. That I may be avenged of mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. 
Now, at face value, you and I would read that and we would say, well, this was just a, this was just a king, a commander giving an instruction that, that he's, hey, don't eat because we have victory waiting for us. This is a valiant thing. I would present to you today that this was a very foolish thing. And here's why. Because of that phrase, that I may be avenged of mine enemies. Did you notice what Jonathan said when Jonathan was going up against the enemy? It may be that the Lord will save us today. It may be that God might, hey, listen, this is God's battle. He can save by many or by few. Jonathan's spirit was, hey, let's go do something for God. Saul's spirit was, hey, you go do something for me. I need to be avenged of my enemies. Since when did the Philistines become the enemies of just Saul? Any other time, and you go do some of the research, any other time that God really brought victory to his people, it was when his peoples or the king, David, whoever it was, said, listen, God's name is at stake. Listen, God's testimony is at stake. And yet we see Saul responding with, with this spirit of pride. Well, what takes place next? Well, if you listen and you, you just follow through, and I'd encourage you to go through and read it. We don't have time to read all three chapters today, but go through and read chapter number 14. Saul made this decree not to eat. Well, Jonathan, he didn't know that. He's out fighting the Philistines, doing something for God. And the Bible says that Jonathan came upon some honey. And of course, if you're fighting in that battle, you're gonna need some strength. And God used that honey to strengthen Jonathan. And Jonathan would go and continue fighting. And then the people said, Jonathan, what are you doing eating the honey? And you're, didn't you know your father's decree that we can't do anything? until we avenge him of the enemies of his enemies of the Philistines. And Jonathan basically says, man, that's, that's foolishness. We need the nourishment. Listen, eat up. And the people, they kind of go too far. They come across some, some uh, uh, animals, livestock, and they begin just cutting the livestock up and eating it raw. And that the people just start doing that. And Saul finds out. He begins to reprimand the people. But it comes down to the point that Saul basically says this, bring me the man that told you to eat and I'm gonna kill him. And they said, well, it's your son, Jonathan. And Saul said, I don't care. Bring me, he defied me. Bring him to me. Notice verse number 45, the people said unto Saul, shall Jonathan die who hath wrought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid. As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he hath wrought with God this day. Hey, he worked with God today. And so the people rescued Jonathan that he died not. Now, this is Saul's pride. It's caused a little bit of division, hasn't it? It's caused a little bit of, of animosity from the people to Saul. Now they're not viewing him as a great leader and a king anymore. Now they're viewing him as, as one, you want to you kill the man that God used? What are you thinking? And the people rescued Jonathan that day. Saul would continually be at war and Saul would continually uh, uh, be one acting in pride. The, the uh, chapter actually closes with this verse in 1 Samuel 14, verse number 52. And there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him unto him. God, God, had, God had predicted that, 1 Samuel chapter number 8. Verses eight through 10, God had said, hey, your king's gonna come in and take people for his own use. And Saul was now fulfilling prophecy that God had set forth. Why? Because of pride. Then you come to chapter 15 and war continues. Saul and the people of Israel, they're instructed to go and to uh, destroy the people of Amalek, the Amalekites. 
And they're actually instructed, hey, when you go up, you need to annihilate them because they attacked us when we came out of Egypt. And God says, I don't want anybody left over. And so part of the instruction that God gave was to destroy everyone. So Saul and the people of Israel, they go to war. But I want you to notice what Saul does. 1 Samuel 15 and verse number nine. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And they spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen, of the fatlings, of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, they destroyed utterly. Word comes to Samuel that Saul had done this. Saul had not done what God had said. And Samuel comes to confront Saul. And Saul, very nervously, because he knew, Saul knew he had not done right. And so God, through Samuel, confronts Saul. And notice verse 28, Samuel said, hey, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. Why? And hath he hath given it to thy neighbor that is better than thou. Hey, Saul, you came up here. And if you go and you read the story, I thought I put it in there, but here's what happened. Samuel comes and says, Saul, why didn't you kill them all? And Saul says, oh, 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 oh I, I, I accomplished what God wanted me to. And Samuel said, well, then why do I hear sheep? Why do I hear cows? Why, why are things still alive? And Saul says, oh, 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 that. <laughs> yeah, we were gonna do a sacrifice to God. Yeah. And Samuel says, well, that's, that wasn't the instruction. And Saul goes, oh, well, it wasn't my idea. It was the people's idea. They, they made me do it. The devil made me. The devil made me do it. The people made me do it. It wasn't me. And then you come to verse 28. God's rejecting Saul as king, moving forward with someone else. Why? Because Saul blew it. He blew his privilege. He blew the opportunity. But what I want us just to see today is because of his pride. Verse number 17. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. We see the digression of Saul starting in chapter number 13. And because of pride, Saul was removed as king. Because of pride, Saul missed the opportunities that the Lord had. Samuel said, hey, the Lord chose you when you were living in humility. But Saul, now you are being driven by pride. And Saul's pride, it was running rampant. And his pride caused him to miss the life that God had chosen for him. And this morning, I want you to see today with me from the word of God very quickly that we need to be careful because the same thing can happen to us. Our pride is often that which hinders and stops us from being used by God as God desires. It is our pride that causes us to miss the opportunities that God puts in front of us. And if we're not careful, our pride, like Saul's pride, can cause us to blow it. Well, why? I want you to notice with me four things very quickly what pride does. Number one, pride drives. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Pride, when we let pride rule, pride drives our decisions. Pride drives our decisions. Pride becomes the reason why we operate. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul did something very unwise in offering to the Lord in the place of Samuel. This was something that was not his responsibility. But knowing that, Saul still thought, hey, I'm king. No one's gonna tell me what to do. 
Hey, I can offer this. Hey, we're about to go to war. Samuel hasn't kept his word. I am going to. And Saul's mindset was pride-driven. In chapter 14, Saul is jealous about the victory. He's jealous about the victory, and that causes him to make that decree. And in verse number 24, pride drives his, uh, his notion of not eating. Hey, don't eat that I may be avenged of my enemies. This was a pride-driven decision, something that Saul made personal. Jonathan fighting for the Lord, Saul fighting for himself. In chapter 15, pride drives Saul to not fully obey the Lord. It is called Saul's incomplete obedience. Notice Saul's pride that caused him to disobey. In chapter 15, verse 19 through 23, notice what it says. Wherefore then didst thou not obey, this is Samuel speaking to Saul, the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the soil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Abelech, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, they took of the spoils, sheep and the oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. There's a great truth right there you could preach a whole message on. But notice what else Samuel says. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion. What was rebellion? Doing what you want. Rebelling against the way of the Lord. Hey, Saul, you know what's at the root of this? Your pride is. And stubbornness, it's as iniquity and idolatry. Your stubbornness, hey, Saul, you know what you did? You put you on the throne. Why? Because you rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Man, those are some pretty hard words, aren't they? Hey, Saul, you want to know why you messed up? Because you put you on the throne. Pride, it drives our decisions. It drove Saul's decisions. And I want you to understand today that when you and I operate in pride, pride drives us to make ill-advised and irreversible decisions. Pride drives us to think only how the matter at hand will affect us. Pride causes us to think about one and one thing only, me. It thinks about me and my appearance. How will the outcome affect me? And when pride is in control, we can know. Listen, when pride is in control, God is not. When pride is in control, God is not in control. Proverbs 13, 10, it says, only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride comes this. Adversity, contention, arguing, bickering, gossiping. It only happens when pride, why? Because I am on the throne. But with the well-advised is wisdom. That well-advised, you know what that means? It means, but when you listen to people, when you seek advice, when you seek to know the whole story, when you seek to have her mind or his mind on the matter, that's, that's good, that's wisdom. You see, this morning, pride causes more damage than we can fix because pride drives us to make selfish, ill-advised, irrational, irreparable decisions. Pride 
It drives. What else does pride do? Pride distracts. Pride distracts. So where do we see this? Saul's pride, it caused him to be distracted from what God was doing. Listen, Jonathan, I, I would, oh, I love Jonathan. Go and study Jonathan out. Go and read his life. Jonathan, God used him in a, in a very powerful way. Starting in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 14, God was just helping the people see, hey, Jonathan is going to be a great leader among you. And what a great faith. I mean, this is a 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 6 is a verse that's quoted so much. Hey, it may be that God will give victory by many or by few. God can do anything. That's Jonathan's spirit. Let's go up. God's got this. Come on, armor bearer. I don't care what everybody else is doing. Man, what a great spirit Jonathan had. And God, God uses Jonathan to bring a great victory. But Saul was blinded to it. Saul knew about the victory. You go and go read 1 Samuel 14. Don't take my word for it. Go read 1 Samuel 14, and you'll find that about halfway through, it's made known to Saul and to Israel, hey, uh, uh, Jonathan's up there fighting, and Saul doesn't do anything. He, he reacts in fear and then says, hey, uh, no one eat until I'm avenged of my enemies. And hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, where's Jonathan? He's all, it's all in fear and jealousy. Well, why? Well, pride, it distracts our attention. It causes us to lose focus on what God is doing and how God is working. And it causes us to only focus upon us. If you go, all that Saul saw was that his name was not being remembered. We'll see it in a few weeks, but with Saul and David, Saul, because of pride, continuously attacked David. Remember when it started? Those of you that might have read the story before. Saul's jealousy sets in. Why? He says, I, I don't like this. They're singing songs that Saul has slain his thousands, but <laughs> David has slain his ten thousands. And in pride, it distracted him from what God was doing. If you look at it, his pride distracted him from even seeing his own sin. When Samuel approached Saul about his sin, Saul denied it. Then Saul excused it. Then Saul blamed others for it. And then pride caused him to miss his opportunity to repent. Someone might read, and there's a, a verse in here, chapter number 15 and verse number, um, verse number 30. This is Saul speaking, and here's what he says. Then he, Saul, said, I have sinned. Someone would think, oh, he's repenting but read the next phrase. I have sinned, yet honor me now. It wasn't humility saying, I have sinned, I repent. It was, man, I've been caught. You know, I really messed up. Is this gonna really hurt some things? Would you keep me on the throne? Can I tell you that this morning that pride, it can blind us and distract us from seeing the big picture of God at work. It is only concerned about one thing, me. Pride wants, the, pride wants the spotlight. It demands the attention. And pride can blind us and it distracts us from seeing the big picture of God at work. Saul, Saul was so full of himself and his pride showed up in insecurity. It showed up in excuses. It worried about his image. It ignored the instructions of God. It completely distracted him from focusing upon what was important. Why? Because pride demands 
the attention. What does pride do? Well, pride, it, it, distracts, it distracts us from seeing what, what God is doing. Pride, it drives our attention. But notice thirdly with me today and very quickly, pride destroys. Pride destroys. Saul's pride destroyed so much in his life, but I want us to see specifically two things that it destroyed. Pride, it destroys relationships and it destroys influence. First, we've got to know that Saul's pride destroyed the relationship that he had with the Lord. God had chosen Saul to lead his people. God wanted to be close to Saul and use him. Remember back in 1 Samuel when uh, 1 Samuel's, um, 8 and 9, when Saul was chosen to be king, and, and uh, God said to Samuel, hey, pick Saul. And Saul said, I can't do this. And Samuel said, hey, God's going to be with you. And Saul's spirit was, God better be with me because I need him. And he had this whole need of God. Well, you come to chapter number 14 and 15. At one part in here, Saul seeks God. God doesn't answer him. And Saul acts anyway. He just keeps moving forward. He doesn't even care about the relationship. Well, why would God kind of reject that? Oh, there's a great verse. I don't know. James chapter four, verse number six. God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Saul's pride destroyed his relationship with God. It destroyed his relationship with Samuel. First Samuel chapter 13, verse number 35, it says this, and Saul or excuse me, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. The Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. It caused, it caused Saul to lose his relationship with his mentor. I believe that it's from this point on that Saul's relationship with Jonathan was hindered. If you continue reading, you find that Jonathan and Saul's relationship after 1 Samuel chapter number 14, it would seem like it was never just a very clear and close relationship. Samuel had invested much into Saul. He was close to Saul, but because of Saul's pride, it destroyed that relationship. It destroyed the relationship with God, destroyed relationship with, uh, with, with Samuel, destroyed that relationship with Jonathan. Can I tell you, pride not only destroys relationships, but it also destroys influence. Oh, we don't have the time to do it today, but if you were to go and, and just read through this, you'll see that Saul lost influence in the people. He lost influence in the people. The people end up arguing. We saw it in 1 Samuel 14, 45. The people stand on Jonathan's side. And from that day forward, Saul led by demand. Saul didn't lead by being a good servant leader. Saul led by demand. Hey, I am king. You will follow me. And from that day forward, he lost his influence. You know why? Because pride, it destroys relationships. It destroys influence. And can I tell you today that pride still destroys it destroys relationships in your life and influence in your life. Your pride and my pride, it pushes those closest to us away from us. I don't know what everybody's past is here, and I'm not meaning to tread on this at all and to, to hurt your past, but do you know why many people divorce? Pride. Well, no, you don't know it's pride. You're, you're right, I don't know the whole situation. But often, pride is at the root. Actually, always. Pride is at the root of every sin. And again, I'm not saying this to attack where you've been. I would say make decisions about moving forward. That's what, that's what you can do. You can't control the past, but we can control the future. 
But we need to understand that pride, it destroys relationships. You know why a lot of people move from job to job to job to job to job to job? Pride. Because pride won't say, I'm sorry, I messed up. Pride won't say, I forgive you, it's okay. Pride won't say, hey, let's just move forward together. Pride says, hey, I demand I be reconciled. Hey, I demand that I be avenged of my enemies. Hey, I demand, that's what pride does. Bible says in Proverbs eleven twelve, 12, when pride cometh, then cometh, what's the word? Shame. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. You've listened so good today. I hope you'll stay with me for this last thought and we're done. Pride, it drives. It drives the decisions. Pride, it distracts. It causes us to miss the big picture. Pride, it destroys relationships and influence. But lastly today, I want you to see it and don't miss it. Pride devalues. Well, pride devalues what? It devalues your life. Pride devalues my life. Simply put, uh, God had plans for Saul. But Saul's pride got in the way, and it cost Saul everything. And Saul's pride, here's what it did, it diminished his life, and it depreciated the value that God had placed upon him. You know what Saul did? Saul said, I value my life greater than God values my life. You should think about that. That's what pride does. Pride says, I know better than God. And you know what we're actually doing? We're devaluing ourselves. Why? Because we're minimizing what God says about us. We're minimizing what God says to us. We're diminishing God's influence in our life. And you know what pride does? It devalues who you are and who God says you are. He thought he could do more than God. He thought he knew better than God. His pride set him up on the throne and caused him to waste that which God said was valuable, his life. God placed value on Saul's life, but Saul thought he could place more value than God did. His pride, it diminished, depreciated the value that God placed upon him. And I want to tell you this morning that our pride, it also devalues. Our pride says... I'm worth a lot more to me than I am to God. When I live by pride, I devalue my life. I'm saying, God, I mean more to me than I mean to you, so I'll run things. I'll sit on the throne. Pride, it ruins God's plan in our lives. It cancels out what God has in store. Pride causes us to miss out on God's best. It hurts our relationships with the Lord and our potential for the Lord. And it really is us taking the value that God has placed upon our lives and throwing it out the window saying we know better. The proverb says this, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. No matter who you are, Pride, the consequences of it, will follow you. Man, pride, it caused Saul to blow it. Why? Because pride drove his, his decisions. Pride, it distracted him from God and his plan. Pride destroyed his relationships and his influence, and pride, it devalued his life. I tell you today that pride is at the core of every sin. And the word of God says this, a man's pride shall bring him low. 
hey, listen, with pride, I think I'm going up. And God says, with pride, you're really coming down. But you know what? There's a good side to this. It says, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So what do we do? What do we do with a message like this? Well, you know what? We decide, God, help me to live humbly before you. God, help me not to live in pride. Like James wrote, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Hey, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Verse number 10, humble yourselves there. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Humble yourself. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Man, can I tell you this morning, we should wake up each day and ask the Lord to help us with humility. God, humble my heart before you. God, don't let my pride step in because pride, it causes me to blow it. And so I want to encourage you this week. Hey, this week, walk in humility. Man, this is a daily choice. God, humble, help me to humble myself before you. This week, stop thinking about you. This week, don't let pride drive your decisions. Don't let pride distract you from what God is doing. Don't let pride devalue your life. Don't let pride be that which causes you to miss the opportunities that God has in store for you. Humble yourself. But maybe you're here this morning and you look back and you'd say, Pastor, I already feel like I've blown it. Pastor, I already feel like I've blown it in this area or that area. No doubt we all have those. I feel like I've already blown it. Can I just tell you that the psalmist wrote it this way, David, when he said, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. I believe this after reading this passage and looking at it. I believe in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse number 30, I think it was, where, or verse, chapter 15 and verse 30, where Samuel said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I believe if Samuel would have, I believe if Saul would have said something like this, I've sinned, forgive me. I don't believe that God would have kept him as king. He had already stepped out of that role. God had already made that decision. But I do believe that we wouldn't be reading the next 15 chapters about Saul's life that we're going to read. I think the end would have been different had Saul humbled himself and repented. And so can I tell you this morning, if that's you, man, pastor, you don't know, I feel like I've already blown it. Can I just tell you today, if you're still breathing, there's still time. Time to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Not I have sinned, honor me now. No, God, I've sinned. Would you forgive me? You see, you and I, we have the opportunities that God presents before us but our pride causes us to miss them. Can I encourage you this week? Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Walk in humility. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.